some small group stuff and then uh, uh, get back to it. But for the rest of the winter and spring, um, we're going to be looking at the life uh, of Moses. Uh, there's a lot to be learned there. Um, and so we're just going to kind of walk through it this morning. I'm going to kind of give you a really quick big picture snapshot um, of Moses and a couple of lessons. And then we're going to start uh, walking through his life kind of as we go. Uh, so that's where we're headed. So if uh, once we get past this morning, if you want to start reading ahead, you can just kind of start reading in the book of Exodus and, and roughly... Roughly, we're going to cover about a chapter or so a week, and, and so if you want to read ahead and make sure that I'm telling you the truth, then that's great. Uh, but um, th- 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 learn what you can as we go, because I think you're going to start to understand that uh, Moses is a, is a character that uh, any one of us could have found ourselves in, um, and yet there are some great lessons as we walk through his life, so I think as you'll see this morning. So... Uh, this morning we want to start, I, I want to start actually with Moses' mom, uh, whose name is Jochebed, right? So uh, here's what we find in uh, Numbers chapter 26. Here's what it says. And the name of Amram's wife was Jochebed. She was the daughter of Levi. Now, remember at this point, um, you know, we don't, we don't have the, all the things figured out on the... Uh, tribes and priestly roles and all that kind of thing. So we're, this is pre, pre some of that stuff that, that's happening. Um, whom her mother bare to Levi in Egypt. And she bare unto Amram, Aaron, Moses, and Miriam, their sister. So these are the three players that we have. Uh, Miriam is going to be the oldest. So uh, let me try to get this right. Okay, so basically... Um, do I have a girl in here somewhere between 7 and 12 years old? Do we have any? Come on up here. All right. You got to tell them who you are. And Huh? This is Leah. Come over here, Leah. You're going to be Miriam. Okay? Miriam. Really cool Bible lady. She actually ended up being a musician, and she wrote a lot of poetry. So really important character, really love the Lord, really important, important person. Okay, now, I need a two-year-old boy. We got somebody who's about, about two years old somewhere in there? Come on up here. Come on, all the way up, right up here. And this is James. Come on up here, James. How you doing, buddy? Ed, come here. Okay, what? You're going to stand right here. You are Aaron. And I know your real name is James, right? Yeah, yeah, you're James, okay. Aaron, about two years old, okay? Now, you, you are three? Awesome, awesome. You know, I have a granddaughter who's, who's, who's four now. That's awesome. So roughly two to three years old, okay? This is the age of Aaron. Now, this is the family that Moses steps into. Okay, when Moses is born, okay? So he's got the older sister, got the older brother, and then Moses, okay? So, so you, you picture that, okay? Because actually, when we get to the story of Moses in the, uh, being put in a, in a basket, okay, I'll get to that in a second, um, he's about 
two to three months old at that point, probably. So is Braxton sleeping back there? Oh, then we ain't bothering him. Okay, we're not going to bother him. Okay. So yeah, Samantha, Joe, and, Bra and, and uh, Brandon, check with them. Okay, go look at, he's two months, right? Just a little over two months? Yeah, okay. He's two months. So about his age is when they have to say goodbye to their child. Okay, so we'll talk about that. Okay, thank you guys. You did a great job. Thanks, you can go back and sit. Okay, thanks guys. Okay, um, so that's, that I, want you to, I want you to get a, an image of it, okay? I want you to get an, an image and a picture of it. Because sometimes when we talk about these stories, we don't put them in those kinds of contexts, all right? And so you've got the older sister and you've got the older brother, and that's the situation. Now, here's what happened, okay? The setting is this. We're, we're in Egypt, all right? Um, if you remember, if you know your Bible, here's what happened, okay? Uh, the children of Israel, uh, remember there was a famine in the land, and Joseph ends up going to Egypt, and you remember the whole Joseph story thing, and eventually Joseph ends up in charge, and then uh, they come over, and then Joseph says, look, it's me, ta-da, you guys can stay here, I will take care of you. The children of Israel started to grow and grow and grow and grow, and all of a sudden now, there's a whole bunch of Israelites in Egypt, okay, and everything is going great. Then we have a time period of about 350 years. And after that time period, people forget about Joseph. And the Egyptians are kind of looking at it going, I don't like all these foreigners in our country. I don't like all these Israelites. So all of a sudden it starts to shift. And instead of the Israelites becoming, you know, Joseph, they had the end with Joseph. Now all of a sudden it's like they've forgotten about Joseph and the children of Israel and the, and the Egyptians aren't liking them. So the Egyptians enslave them. And so now all of a sudden, time after time, the Egyptians are, are really making it difficult for the Israelites, the Hebrew people. And the Hebrew people are become slaves and they're like, we want out of this thing. We want to go back. Well, the problem was at that point in history, uh, they're cheap, free labor. And so if they go, now all of a sudden our, our, our whole thing's going to kind of collapse. So we, we, we got a problem here. Um, so we don't want them to go because we're using them. And so it's, it's a difficult thing. And the children of Israel are going, we, we don't want to be here anymore. We want to go back to our homeland. And so they're praying to God to deliver them. And God's going to raise up a deliverer by the name of Moses. Well, here's one of the problems. It got so bad that the children of Israel were having so many children that the king, Pharaoh, comes into the scene and he says, you know what? We need to get rid of some of them. So we're going to start a new program. So he gets with all of the midwives, the Hebrew midwives, and he says, here's the deal. When a child is born... Uh, if it's a male, we want you to kill it. We don't want the male Hebrew children to live. So you need to put them to death. Um, that was the edict from the Pharaoh, from the, from the king. Uh, and the problem with that was, so by the way, abortion is not new. Okay? Been around for a long time. Uh, in this case, they actually let the child be born first. And then they put it to death. We see that even in the Christmas story. Uh, and so, again, this was a way to control people. And so that's what they did. Well, 
the Hebrew midwives, being Israelites and followers of God, couldn't do that. And so they weren't doing that, and they would let the babies live, and then when they, they say, you know, hey, look, there's nothing we could do. Well, we got there, the baby was already there. And so we actually believe we know the names, Bible trivia, by the way, um, of the midwives, Shifra and Pua. I think that's great. They want, those of you who, let's see, you're still having, you've got a kid coming, and you've got a kid coming. Shifra and Pua would be awesome <laughs> names. I guarantee you no one else has them. Uh, so, but anyway, you know, yeah. Pua, come here. Uh, kind of a cool name, actually. Uh, but anyway, uh, so anyway, so we think that they were the, the midwives, but anyway. Uh, so Moses is born, and uh, mom does really well for a while keeping this child quiet. But as children grow, uh, and as babies progress, um, unlike Braxton, who's asleep, uh, they get to a point where sometimes they start to make lots and lots of noise, and you can't keep them quiet 24-7 anymore. And so Moses was at that point. So at about the age of, as far as we know, we're guessing, about three months or so, Jacobet has a tough decision to make. What do I do with my child? Um, another interesting bit of trivia. Uh, this is going to be the first uh, Bible example of a mother who gives up a child for adoption. Because, not because she doesn't want Moses, but because she wants what's best for Moses. And it's an incredible act, as we're going to see this morning, an act of faith. And so her and her husband come up with a plan. <clears throat> and so what they decide to do is to really step out in faith and trust God. And so I couldn't find a basket big enough, so I'm just going to use this again. If you can see it, it helps you. So, uh, so they created a basket much bigger than this. I happen to know that you can't put a two-month-old in this, three-month-old, okay? I'm, I don't know a lot about babies. I do know that much. But I had a big basket that was here a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know what happened to it. But, so I probably took it home because it was there. But here, here's the idea. I want you to think about this for a minute, for a mom who loves a child that the king has said must die. And she takes that child and comes up with a plan. So she makes a basket. Um, how hard do you think that was? And then she decides that she's going to put it in, in the river, and that's a whole other there's a whole other really cool side to that story, but we don't have time. And she pitches it. She puts, think of it as tar. She puts tar all around the outside of it. Uh, it has a lid. Then she has to decide what blanket, what cloth to put in it. And then she has to place her son in that basket and go to a river and put the basket in the river and walk away. How tough is that? You want to talk about letting go. How tough would that be, moms? Dads? But in 
one of the things about faith is faith also has an active element involved in it. And, and she was smart enough, wise enough, to put that basket in a certain area. And she put that basket in an area that she knew Pharaoh's daughter bathed. And the Bible says, again, you read Exodus, you'll, you'll see all this. The Bible says that Miriam and Jacobed went off in a distance to watch, to see what was going to happen. Uh, you want to tug at heartstrings, moms and dads. I mean, you just think about how hard this would be. And Pharaoh's daughter sees the basket, walks over and opens it up, and sees a Hebrew male child. Now, at this moment, one of two things is going to happen. She's going to have that child executed, or she's going to have to figure out what to do with it. Pharaoh's daughter, looking at that child, says, Oh, that's cool. I want one of those. And they say, Take it. So, Pharaoh's daughter says, Again, Pharaoh's daughter, she's got whatever she wants. I want a Hebrew male child. There's a problem. This is the three-month-old. One thing I do know about babies. They eat and they poop. And they, they cry. Okay? And yeah, they smile. That's when you get out your camera. But I mean, they, you know, they, I mean they're, you know that, that, that's the thing. So the problem is now we've got to feed this child... And guess who pops into the picture? Miriam comes into the picture. Seven to 12 years old, probably. And comes up and says, Princess, you want me to see if I can find somebody who will nurse the child? Well, you're a Hebrew. Sure. Mom, come here. And Mom, Jacobed, shows up and says, I'll take care of nursing the child. Now, that's important to this story, and here's why. Depending on what you read and who you, what you say in this story, Mer- Jacobed probably had Moses four to five years, maybe eight tops. See, she has a very short amount of time to instill into this child all the things about God that he needs to know. She's able to feed him. She's able to take care of him. She's able to teach him, even at a young age, long before he could speak. And she's able to instill him. By the way, let me say this to those of you who are young parents. Um, those first five years are far more valuable and far more of an impact on a child than you can ever imagine. Um, and if you haven't figured it out yet, they pick up everything. You know, I, I, I've already gotten in trouble, okay? So I know how this goes. Because Claire was in Jimmy's shop a couple of weeks ago, got into the sawdust and started throwing it into the air in his shop. And the sawdust got, it was in her hair, it was down her back, it was everywhere. And she goes, and Jimmy yelled at her and said, what in the world are you doing? Where did you, why, why would you do that? Grandpa. And I'm sitting here thinking, I've never taught her how to throw sawdust, but I have taught her that if you take bubbles in the sink and you blow into them and throw them in the air, they go everywhere. 
well, I never thought she'd do it with sawdust. So anyway, but she did. And uh, it will be one of many things I will teach her that she will probably get in trouble for. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, I got to be more careful. But anyway, so, but this is the idea. She's got to teach her and instill all of these things in the moment. But she had to let go. And that was hard. She had to have an incredible faith and trust in God that God knew what was best, regardless of what was going to happen. I think there's a great lesson for all of us, particularly those of us who are parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. And there's incredible faith there. Fast forward to Moses. He's 40 years old now, so the basket's gone. Moses is now 40 years old. Let me tell you what's happened in those 40 years. In those 40 years, Moses has been, a, uh, Moses has been raised in Pharaoh's court. So let me explain to you what that means. What that means is that there is nothing that Moses wanted that he did not get. It means that the finest food that existed at the time was a standard staple of a meal for him. It means that if he got up that morning and decided he wanted lobster, he told his servants, I want lobster for dinner tonight. I want steak. I want goat. It meant that if he got up and decided that if he wanted a new suit, it was made for him. If he wanted a new cloak and robe and wanted one in green and another one in orange and another one in purple, they made him all of them and brought them to him. It meant that when he went out to go riding on a horse, he would get to pick from the finest horses in all of Egypt. If he was going to get in a chariot, he got the Lamborghini. He got the top of the line, whatever he wanted. He got that, and I don't want to do this. I was going to use a truck thing. Uh, But if I mention a brand, then I'm going to get, half of you are going to hate me and half of you are going to like me. Uh, So he just got got the fanciest truck you can imagine if that's what he wanted. For 40 years, whatever Moses wanted, he got. Uh, top of the line, whatever, came, whatever new thing came in, he got, he got access to it. That was the world that Moses lived in for 40 years. Moses is out walking one day, and he watches someone beat a Hebrew. Moses kills the man. Again, he would have been trained in the fine, as a warrior. He would have been trained in the highest academics. He would have been trained in all of that. But Moses at that moment had to make a choice. Do I stand for God? Or do I embrace my Hebrew or my Egyptian lifestyle? Listen to Hebrews chapter 11 when it talks about the faith of Moses. Here's what it says. By faith, Moses, when he grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I don't want to be associated with that. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. He chose the Hebrews. Now remember, remember, He hadn't spent 40 years learning about the Hebrew lifestyle. 
He had had it for a short period with his mom. He had been exposed to it off and on in the, just the standard religious teaching. But something in Moses said, I want to be associated with those people, not those people. And he made a statement and he said he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Rather than embrace everything that I have because it was fun and enjoyable and great and awesome and everything that came with it. Um, that's what he said. Notice he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a far greater value than the treasures of Egypt. He understood that if he did this, he was going to be labeled and possibly face execution because he killed an Egyptian. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. He understood that at that moment, when he made that decision, when he did that act of taking that man's life, and it was found out because the next day somebody said, yeah, I saw what you did, and then he knew, i got to get out of here. And he leaves. And you know what he traded for it? Forty years in a desert. Because you see, the story of Moses, when, the, when he goes before the Pharaoh and the children of Israel and says, let my people go, that doesn't happen until he's 80 years old. So he has 40 years of the finest, and then he has 40 years of the worst of the worst. I mean, living in the desert. Can you imagine going from that world to that world? And it says, but he knew what, it, he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Moses took a look and said, I am going to put my faith, that's why it's mentioned in Hebrews 11, I'm going to put my faith and trust in God. He had watched a mom do that. He had understood the story. By the way, anybody know what the word Moses means? Drawn out, drawn out of the water. Um... It's, you're learning all this Bible trivia. So if you ever play Bible trivia, choose the Bible category. You'll do fine. Uh, trust me, you'll do really well. Uh, and then notice what it goes on to say. By faith, he kept the Passover. He fast forwards a little bit later. And he talks about the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. This is a, he actually now fast forwards to the Passover thing and talks about how Moses had to to, in faith, instruct the people. Can you imagine going before people and going, okay, here's the deal, all right? You've got to trust me on this one, but if you don't put blood on your doorpost of your house tonight, uh, the firstborn in your house is going to die. That's a pretty big statement because that's kind of a win or lose thing, you know? And by faith, he does that. So you see then, and again, we're going to dive into the story of Moses. We're going to really try to understand Moses. But I want to lay out some of the groundwork on, these, on, on th this issue first because I think this plays an important role in all we're going to say about Moses, okay? So uh, let me pull a couple of things out, um, first of all. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about Jacobed. Um, I cannot imagine how hard that would have been to do that. I can't imagine what kind of faith that it would have taken to make that basket and put that basket there and pray to God to deliver your son and pray to God to take care of your child and pray to God to do all, all of those things because that's a tough thing for any parent to do. But can I suggest something to you? 
because this is something I see in our culture. Um, and again, I, you know, if, I, if I'm not careful here, I can sound like a monster, so I don't want to do that. Um, but what I do see in our culture is this. I see this idea that the goal of parenting is to hang on to the child as long as I can. Now let me set, tell you something. That might make you feel good, but that's not healthy for you or your child. Because the biblical idea of parenting is the idea of learning to let go. The biblical idea of parenting is the idea of preparing that child to be out on their own in a real, ugly, harsh, cruel world. Uh, there's a passage in Proverbs that actually talks about the idea of um, children and the idea of as, a, as an arrow. Uh, which is a whole really cool concept because it's the idea. I, I don't know a lot about archery. A lot of you are much better at it than well, I know nothing about it other than bow, arrow, pull back, let go. Uh, but I know that I know that at some point the purpose of archery is to let go, so that the arrow goes where it needs to go. The purpose of parenting is to let go. And if you'll think about it for a minute, the biology of it and the social side of it is all designed that way. The first thing you do is, right now, um, they're carrying the baby, but at some point, the baby and mom are going to be separated. Okay? I mean, you don't want to be pregnant for the next 18 years, do you? No, exactly. No, at some point... It's going to be, okay, the baby and mom are now separated. And that starts a process that socially continues on. You know, trust me, my wife's a kindergarten teacher. You want to know what the first day of kindergarten is like? No problem with the kids. She has mom standing outside the door. We've learned now, they've learned now, what you do is you go take the moms and do something with them. Because they'll stand there all day. I told my child's never been away from me, and I don't know what's going to happen, and it's going to all fall apart. And again, my wife's like, look, I got him. Get out of here. Done this for how many years? 37 years. I can handle your child. I, there's nothing your child's done I have not seen, all right? So move on, okay? And Because, you know, first day, it's never, you know, never have a problem with the kids. I mean, really, she just got, you know, I, I have a kid, he cried for an hour, and then, then he started playing games, and he was fine. You know, all that kind of stuff. But that's, a first, you know, that's one of the big first moments, you know, or maybe when they walk and, and they walk away from you. You know, it's fun when they walk towards you, but when they walk away from you, you're going, come back here, and they're like, eh, take it off. You know, and then there's that, you know, there's a whole series of events, you know, the first time that you put them on a school bus or the first time that you, um, you know, the first time they, they, they are introduced to the world of boys and girls, you know, I mean, I can't, some poor guy's going to come up and go, eh, can I, you know, I, you know, Grandpa, I'm going on a date with, let me know who he is. We'll take care of this right now. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I, I mean, it, it's going to be ugly. It's just going to be, I pity the poor, pity the poor fool. Uh, but anyway, you know, I mean, there, there's that letting go. There's that, there's that letting, you know, when you give them the keys to a vehicle and let them drive off on their own. You know, or you drop them off at college, 
or you drop them off, you know, and uh, you, really want, you really want something dramatic, let them go to the military. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, the first phone call from the military is just traumatizing to mom. But anyway, um, but, you know, I mean, it's a whole series, you know, and then, then you know, if they get married, you know, and then you've you got to let them go at that point. And, 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 you know, there's that whole series of letting go. And I watching parents want to hold on as long as they can. And the problem is it's not healthy for them. Um, it's, not, it's not healthy. And, and I want to challenge you with this idea that moms and dads, because I, I share this with couples when I marry them. Um, you have to understand the biblical principle of TPT. Is what I tell to Temporary, permanent, temporary. And here's, how, here's how it works. You were born into a temporary relationship. You have a mom and dad who take care of you. At some point, you leave them. Why? Because that's a temporary relationship. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife. Now, that's a permanent relationship. And then, Lord willing, you have children, or if the Lord's plan is you have children, you adopt children, or you, you bring children into the picture. Now, that's a temporary relationship. Why? Because at some point, they're going to go off, and they're going to go on their own. And what I always share with, with young couples is this. Listen, the permanent relationship is husband-wife. Don't ever stop investing in that. So while you have kids, you still need to date. You still need to develop a relationship. You still need to develop activities. Are you ready for this? Outside of your children. Our whole world's our kids. That's a problem. Because there also needs to be a world with you and your husband and wife. Because you know what? The greatest, here, here's what we're told statistic-wise right now. Highest rates of divorce are first five years of marriage. The next highest rates are after 25 years of marriage. Because mom did her thing with kids. Dad did her thing with work. Kids leave, empty nest. We're two strangers standing in a house. What do we have in common? Nothing. You go your way, I'll go my way. And, and I, can't, I can't stress enough the importance of, to those of you. So even when my kids were little, we would get a babysitter, and Gene and I would go out. And we got with another couple, and we would rent the babysitter for all four of them. We'd pay them an extraordinary amount of money because four boys, all about the same age, um, came home one night, and they had realized we were going to have dessert afterwards, which was strawberries, frozen strawberries in a, in a can thing we had had it thawed out so we we're going to come home we we're going to have that like that bunt cake thing and you dump the strawberries over top of it um and what had happened is while the babysitter was taking care of josh and alan in one room jimmy and tyler had realized if you take a strawberry and you throw it up into the ceiling fan it hits it and flings it up against the wall <clears throat> so we walk in to her in the back room with Josh and Alan and Tyler and Jimmy in, her, in the kitchen going, wow, this is awesome. That was a mess. It was a mess. But we still dated. Even after that, we dated, all right? We weren't going to let the kids set that up. And I say that because it is so, some of you are going, wow, my kids have never done that. Oh, trust me, we've been, you know, um, you know I've got all kinds of stories, flamethrowers, everything. Um, but anyway, so it's this idea of, look, it's a process of letting go. And as hard as that is, 
you need to be able to do that, moms and dads. And grandparents, you need to do that. Um, so let me meddle for a minute. And I hope I do this okay, but I, I know I've had good and bad with this. Uh, let your kids make their own mistakes, even as a married couple. Step back. You know, many a time my wife and I have had a discussion of, you know what, they just need to learn it their way. I don't, I don't want to make huge, you know, and so I'm always, you know, and the, the joke around our house is, you know, okay, you know, I'll ask the kids, do you want my opinion? And, and the standard answer right now is, it doesn't matter what we say because you're going to give it to us anyway. And I said, exactly right. So here it is, now do with it what you want, I'm out. You know, because my goal is to guide, it's to direct, it's to help, but the other I, aspect of it is I've got to sometimes let them make their own mistakes. And you go, but it's so hard as a parent to watch them fail. Yes, it is. But they're not going to learn if they don't have the opportunity to fail. They're not going to be able to do better unless they get to make some mistakes. And, and I just want to challenge because I see, you know, sometimes as grandparents and great-grandparents, we just meddle way too much. And we think we're helping, but we're not, you know. And so you got to be careful there. You know, hopefully you've got enough relationship with your kids. You can look at it and go, okay, am I meddling too much? You know, and if so, you just get back out. Um, but it's important, it's important to learn. And, and that's what I think I see with Jacobin. There, there's a plan. It's not just a faith of I'm just going to go throw the kid in the river and see what happens. I mean, she chose that spot. She prepared that thing in a special way so that I believe she prepared it in such a way that it was noticed. So I don't know if she put like bows on the basket or shiny things that made it attractive or whatever. But, Pharaoh, but God, uh, it, it's really interesting. There's an interesting... There's an interesting idea here in that um, God, um, in the beginning, saves, saves Moses, and at the end, the angel of God buries Moses. There's this God bookend thing to the life of Moses that's really unique. Uh, but it, we'll get to all that later. Uh, but anyway, um, so I think there's a lot to learn from Jacobet, parenting, grandparenting, that kind of thing. Um, and and by, you go, well, well, I don't have any kids, or I'm single, or I'm widowed, blah, blah, blah. okay, then, then adopt some around here. Just, just pick one, you know. Uh, we got all kinds of them. Just, you know, we got all sizes. We got everything. You just pick one, you know. And, and, and every, day, every Sunday you come in here, if you do nothing more than say hi to them, say hi to them, and get, get, start to develop a relationship with you, you'll be amazed. You will be amazed at how God uses stuff like that. Um, but again, the idea, moms, dads, as hard as it is, um, you've got to learn to let go. Uh, you've got to learn to let go. And, and that, that's what, I think that's one of the hardest things of parenting, is letting go. Uh, because you're like, oh, I just want to, it's so good. You know, I, we grew up, my wife and I brought up our children with the idea that they would do what we did, which is move far away from their parents. You know? I mean, really, mine are Texas, or in Virginia. We just figured our kids would go. Many of our friends have their kids spread out all over the country. And the fact that ours are within four miles now is, is you know, it's a blessing. I mean, it's awesome, unless I'm missing tools. Uh, but, I mean, you know, <laughs> then it's like, did you borrow this? Did you come by and get that? But, I mean, even that, you know, I'm not going to, even that, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, and, and it's an incredible gift. It's an incredible blessing. But um, never expected it. 
because I've always had the mindset of they're going to go their way and do their thing, and I want them to be prepared for the real world as ugly as it is at times. So I think that's a great lesson from, from Jacqueline. From Moses, um, he had a choice. This world or God. And what he was signing up for was not happy, healthy, wealthy. And he had that world. He had the world where everything was at his fingertips. But he said, that world comes with the Egyptian stuff. And I'm going to walk away from that because I want to follow the Hebrew guy. I want to follow the God of Israel. And if you're going to mistreat an Israelite, I'm going to stand up for the Israelite. And you're not going to call me the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I don't want to be associated with that. I want to be associated with this. It bothers me when I see Christians who want to be Christ followers, who say, you know what? I want to be associated with that more than I'm associated with this. Because I think a genuine follower of Jesus Christ says, there are things about that that may be appealing to me, but I want this, and I'm going to fight against that. One of the things that you see in, in the life of Moses, and this is, what, this is, I think, a great lesson for us heading into 2020, in particular of all the things that have happened this week. Moses is not afraid to make this decision. It says he did not fear Pharaoh. He did not fear the king's wrath. He didn't fear what was going to happen. He didn't fear the idea that this guy was going to pursue him now. He had no fear in that. Why? Because his faith and confidence was in, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to honor God regardless of what happens. Doesn't matter what comes my way. Doesn't matter. I'm going to spend 40 years. He didn't know at the time. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to be 40 years in the wilderness. None of that matters. I'm going to struggle. And that's okay with me because I want to be associated with God. And here's the key. His faith overcame his fear. Let me say it again. His faith overcame his fear. If you follow the news at all this week, you know what we're finding? You know, you know what's being said right now? What's everybody afraid of? World War III. I mean, people are actually afraid. They're afraid of a draft. You know what psychologists are telling us right now? The, 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 the teen, teen, 20 year olds right in there, they are finding right now that they are flooding into offices and counseling offices and things like that depressed, and all that kind of thing. When they start peeling back the layers, you want to know what one of the major things they're, they're afraid of? Is actually they've, they've been convinced that with climate change, in their generation, the world's going to end. And they're scared about the world ending. And they're living in fear over the end of the world. Why? There's not a faith and confidence in God. There's not a faith and confidence in the future. And I even see Christians get sucked into this. Oh, what if, what if, what if? Uh, look, look, God's in control, right? It's been better and it's been worse. Uh, and God will, God, God is still on the throne. So when I see all this stuff that's happening and everybody's getting all bent out of shape and everybody, oh, what do you think? Let me give you a suggestion, okay? Practically, first of all, before I get to the biblical. Practically, turn off your TV. 
or don't watch the new stuff. Okay? Because you haven't figured it out yet. It's not, oh, dear God, bless me and encourage me this day. Let's see what the news has to say. Like, what do you think's going to happen? You know? And some of that, you need to turn it off, you know? And, and some of that, you just got to do that practical aspect of it. Here's the biblical aspect of it. When you have a confidence looking forward in God and knowing that God's in control and God will take care of you and God will, will take a child who is supposed to die and have it raised in Pharaoh's court and end up turning around and, and preparing that child in a miraculous way to one day stand against Pharaoh and all of Egypt and all that Egypt encompasses and that that process is an 80-year process but that God is going to use that person to ultimately deliver it. When you have that kind of faith and confidence that God's going to do that kind of stuff, guess what? You don't wring your hands over what's going to happen today. You don't lose sleep over, oh, no, what about, what if, what, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing a deal right now, looking at a deal right now on um, be anxious for nothing. And if we had any concept of what this idea of worry and fear and everything else is doing to us, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we start to realize this is one of the greatest tools Satan has today. And that faith and that confidence that God is in charge. Stop and think about your life for a minute. Have you not seen the hand of God all over your life? And there's times my wife and I, you know, we've come up against walls and not know what to do. And I've just looked at my wife and I've said, look, I don't know where, what this is going to happen. I don't know how this is all going to play out, but here's what I do know. Up until now, God's always taken care of us. There's no reason he should stop. And he promises he'll continue to get us, so somehow we'll get it through. I look back on our life, and I mean, <laughs> I just shake my head. I just shake my head, saying, I don't understand how it all worked, but it worked. Why? God is God. And as we head into the future, that kind of faith and that kind of confidence is exactly what we have to have in an uncertain, crazy, volatile world. We need to have that confidence and that faith that, you know what, God's in control. And the one thing you're going to see against, uh, on Moses, and once in a while, you know, Moses is like us, and he goes, he goes on a side path that he probably shouldn't have gone on, but most of the time, here's what you're going to find on Moses. When he had to make a call, he put his faith and confidence in God that God was going to do what God said he was going to do. And God does, and God uses him in a great way because he's willing to be used. And so I just want to challenge you as we go into, the, as we go into this whole series, as you go into this year, as you go into this week with this idea. Jacobed demonstrates a love and a commitment to God, which is a great example for each other. Moses demonstrates the importance of choosing to honor God through faith, regardless of circumstances. Faith and trust are two sides of the same coin. Real faith focuses on God, not our circumstances, not our situation. It places confidence in a God who loves and cares for his children. So may each of us be people of faith as we head into this new year. And as we daily place our trust in God. Whatever you're up against, it will be okay. I did not say it will be easy. The next 40 years of the life of Moses were not easy. When he, God starts to use him as the leader of Israel, it was not easy. But 
It was God's plan for him, and God used him in a great way, and God will do the same for you and I as well. We have to focus forward on him, not on what we're in the middle of. And that's what you see in the life of both Jochebed and Moses. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Thanks for examples. Lord, these aren't just people who told us what to do. These are people who demonstrated and showed us consistently what to do. So, Lord, as we try to raise our kids, uh, Lord, there's so much that's against us. May this be a place that we encourage and help each other do what's best for our kids and for our family. Lord, as we come up against things and we have to make a choice between the things of this world and the things of the world to come, may you help us to keep our focus on that which is to come and not necessarily on that which we are in the middle of right now. So use us. And uh, when it's all said and done, Lord, we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise these things we ask in your name.